I think if you're a morally upstanding human being, then you have a moral obligation to earn as much money as humanly possible. The way I see it is somebody's got to earn the money and somebody's going to go out and fund all these causes around the world. If it's not you, then who's it going to be? That's why I think you have an obligation to earn as much money as possible so that you can turn around and do as much good as possible. So here's the big question. How do everyday people like us who didn't grow up wealthy and were not taught how to be wealthy in school, how are we supposed to learn to think, invest, and grow wealth like the top 1% without compromising our ethics and our values? My name is Jeremy Whaley. That was my big question. This podcast will give you the answers. You're listening to Think Rich Radio. So if you're anything like me, then you grew up in a family that did not put a heavy emphasis on money. We needed money. We used money as part of our life, but it was not something we sought after. In fact, it was quite the contrary. My my general family, not just my parents, but the, the extended family around me, we kind of had this philosophy that all of our needs would be taken care of, all of the money we needed would be there, but nothing more, nothing extra, just what we needed. And for most of my life, that's really all I ever remember. We never went without. We always had all of our needs and very little extra. So it's not a wonder, as I grew up and became an adult, what did I do? I started earning just enough money to survive and not any extra. And I lived that way for a long time. It was around 2002, maybe 2003, when I read Think and Grow Rich for the first time. That really changed my life. It was a major turning point in my overall thinking process about wealth. And Think and Grow Rich, you know, of course, it's all about the, the mindset surrounding money. But I wasn't ready for it. I really wasn't ready. And I felt all this guilt. I had every time I would decide to go make a lot of money, I had this little voice in the back of my head that was like, no, 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 you're not that guy. You're not going to make any money. And for several years, four or five years, I battled these these little voices. And then in 2007, I remember like it was yesterday. It was my birthday, June 25th, 2007, turned 30 years old. And on my 30th birthday, I said, okay, this is it. I'm changing my future. I'm changing my family's financial destiny. And when I made that decision, it didn't happen overnight. In fact, it was a very long road ahead. But when I made that decision, it was like my subconscious mind started working to make it come to fruition. And that was the moment that I started to really think more wealthy because I finally decided that I had to burn the boats. I was burning all of the history that had led up to that point because I had a new compelling future that I had to work towards. And I think a lot of you might be struggling with some of those same things. Now that I've been in this industry for you know, more than a decade. It's interesting, the people that I run across, I sit down and I start working with somebody and I ask them the question, hey, how much money do you want to make? And inevitably, they say something along these lines, something like, I want to make enough money. And I say, well, how much is enough money? And it's interesting because everybody has a different standard for that. Some people, enough money is Seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year. For other people, enough money is one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. For some people, enough money is two hundred thousand. I remember one couple I sat down with, and I really wanted to help them. 
they were a wonderful couple, did not have a whole lot of ideas of what they wanted for their future, and uh, consequently, it was hard to create a future because they didn't know what they wanted. But I asked them the question, how much money do you want to make? And the guy's answer was, I want to make a lot of money, but not so much that I would be greedy. And I remember asking him, well, how much is that? I mean, at what point do you decide you're greedy? Is it $250,000 a year? Is it $500,000 a year? Is it a million dollars a year? At which point do you cross the line and now you no longer have enough, now you're greedy? It was an interesting line of thinking, though, and one that so many other people have dealt with. And frankly, I kind of dealt with it. It was a little different. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Tennessee. And like most people down here, church and religion is a very integral part of the way that I grew up. Consequently, you know, we have not just society's ideas of what money should be, but we also have the church's ideas. We have our religious circles. And I grew up in a very conservative family. And so our ideas were basically God would provide whatever you needed, but nothing extra. And I really had to challenge those beliefs as I grew up. You know, we used to hear things around our house about dirty, rich people. We would hear things about people who were filthy rich, uh, people who were unethical. But there was never really anything uh, bad. You know, we didn't. I didn't grow up in a family where people who had money were looked down upon. It was just that we were separated. They had their money. We didn't. We weren't the family that got born into a lot of money. I remember my dad used to saying things like, well, if I had that kind of money, stuff like that, or, well, I wish I had that kind of money. And I think a lot of people are like that. They don't really have bad associations to money. It's just that they don't have the mindset that really attracts money, where money flows easily and effortlessly into their life. And as a result, what do you get? You get just enough. You get the standards that we settle for. It was one of my mentors that brought this to my attention a few years ago, and I'd never thought about it before, but he's the one who put this word standard in my mind. And he said, Jeremy, you get what you settle for. You get the standards that you accept. But what we've never been taught is we get to set those standards and we can change those standards. And that's what wealthy people do. Wealthy families have different standards. The difference in a poor family and a wealthy family is the standards that we have set that we say, I'm willing to accept this versus I'm not willing to accept that. I'm fascinated. If I drive down the street about two miles, I get to a major intersection and inevitably there's some homeless people standing on the corner with a sign that says we'll work for food. I've even asked a couple of them, hey, I have some brush on my land, I'd pay you to clear it. They don't want to actually work, they just want people to give them money. Now I'm fascinated about this because they have a sign that says they'd work for food, but they won't actually work for food. And what's interesting is I can never imagine going and standing on the street corner and holding a sign that says I'd work for food. But obviously these people can. So what's the difference in me and these people? Well, sure, I'm an entrepreneur and I have all these grandiose ideas, but more importantly, I have standards. If I ever got so hard up financially that I had to go stand on the street corner, I still wouldn't do it. I would find another way. I'd find a way to not live under a bridge. I would find a way. I would find the resourcefulness deep inside. But for whatever reason, these people have not found that way. And I'm fascinated about it because 
the only difference between those people and me, or the only difference between those people and you, or so many other people, I mean, there's 330 million people or more in the United States, and the vast majority never live under a bridge. Why? Because of standards. Think about it in your own life. Would you ever go live under a bridge? And the answer is probably no. Why? You'll find somebody to stay with. You'll find some friend or some family member or something. You'll dig deep. You'll find a resourceful way to not live under a bridge. Why? Because of standards. So if standards determine what we're willing to get in our life, then would it reason that we can raise our standards? And the answer is yes, it would. We can raise our standards. Here's the challenge. Most of us have standards that are set like a thermostat. We go in and we raise our standards and our brain says, I'm not so comfortable with that. It's a little too warm for me. Let's cool it off a little bit. Then maybe if the month gets a little lean, we start to not quite have enough money. Our thermostat kicks in and it says, hey, things aren't comfortable. Let's heat it up a little bit. And that's the way we live our lives. So we kind of have this subconscious standard that is set. And it's probably related somehow to the people who surround you. They say, if you look at the five people closest to you, that those are going to be a reflection of who you are. So if you want to raise your status in life, you need to raise the quality of your friends. I would submit to you, look at the five people who are closest to you and look at their income. And your income is going to be an average of their income as well. So if you want to raise your income, you need to make some richer friends. You need to be the poorest guy in the group, poorest girl, so that you can raise up and you'll come up to this next higher level. What do we call that? We call it raising the thermostat, raising the standards. We're moving into a higher plane. And we could do this with anything in our life. You set a better standard for how you want your relationships to look. You set a better standard for how you want your career to look, how you want your income to look, how you want your money management to look, how you want your investments to look. You get what you tolerate. Therefore, if we tolerate low standards, that's guess what? We're going to get low standards. And if we insist on having higher standards, guess what? We're going to get higher standards. So I would suggest to you and I would challenge you Ask yourself, where can I raise my standards? What can I do to raise my standards? How high am I willing to raise my standards? And then we get to the philosophical question, how much is too much? At what point am I now a greedy person as opposed to someone who just has a little extra? So how much is a lot of money? Well, I don't know. Typically, what I've discovered is anybody who makes more money than the average person seems to have a lot of money. And it really works that way. You know, if you can walk into a room and a person's making $100,000 and the rest of the room is making $50,000 a year, well, the guy making $100,000 is suddenly rich because the people in the room look at him that way. Now, that same person could walk into a room where the average income was you know, maybe $300,000, and this guy's suddenly the poor guy. Money is very relative. Wealth is relative. Rich is relative. And there's something else that's relative, and that is greed. Remember the couple I talked to you about, and the guy said he wanted to make enough money to have as much as he wanted, but not be greedy. And I asked the question, well, what would make him greedy? What would it take? How much money would it take to actually make someone greedy? And then what I discovered is I discovered that greed is not tied to an amount of money. In fact, greed 
can hit somebody at any income level. Greed is a state of the soul. It's not an emotion. It's a state of your soul. You are either greedy or you're not greedy. And you can be greedy with a few hundred million dollars or you could be greedy with zero dollars. It's all about what you're trying to get for yourself. And what I discovered is the wealthiest people that I know are actually the most generous people I know. Now, I know there's a bunch of wealthy people that are out there that are, you know, not above board. They do nefarious things and they're involved in all sorts of evil and weird stuff. But that's not the majority. The truth is the vast majority of wealthy individuals are the most generous people you'll ever find. Because it takes a certain mindset to become wealthy. People who are hoarding after money, they don't have the mindset to actually become wealthy. Wealthy individuals, on the other hand, because they realize there's an abundance of wealth, what do they tend to do? They tend to be generous with their wealth. So what I discovered is the most greedy person actually tends to be the person with the least amount of money. Isn't it funny how life works? The people who are the most greedy end up with the least amount of money, and the people who are the most generous end up with the most amount of money. So a guy says to me, he wants to make a little extra money so that he can go on a missions trip for his church. I said, that's a good outcome. I like that. I support that. How much do you want to make? He said, oh, just enough to get on the trip. And I said, well, what if you could double it? He said, why would I do that? I said, well, who else would like to go on the trip? And he said, oh, everybody's raising their own money. I said, well, what are you going to do whenever you get there? Who's going to pay for the fresh water, the wells that need to be dug? Who's going to pay for the Bibles that you want to take over there? Who's going to pay for all these expenses that come up? He never thought about it before. But you see, here's what wealthy individuals understand. Wealthy individuals understand that we all have causes we care about. We all have things that are more important to us than others. For me, human trafficking is a big issue. I really want to do everything I can do to put an end to human trafficking. There's other issues that I care about. Each of us all have different issues. Some of us have a lot of different issues. But here's the big question. If it's not you, then who? If it's not you that goes out and makes enough money to provide for you and your family and enough money to provide for some extra families and enough money that you can actually have enough left over to support these causes, if it's not you, then who? That's why I think everybody has a moral obligation to make as much money as you can. We live in America. Now, you may be listening to this in a different country, but I live in America. We have the greatest economic system in world history. We have as much money-making opportunity as possible. We have a fiat currency, which is completely expandable. There's no limit to how much money there is in the world. The only limitation is the limitations that we put on it. So why in the world would we limit ourselves when we have causes that we care about? Wouldn't it make more sense if you could do a lot of good with a million dollars, you could do more good with 10 million? And if you could do a lot of good with $10 million, wouldn't it make sense that you could do even more good with $100 million or $150 or $200 million? Is there a limit to how much good you could do? And then someone might come along and say, well, if I had that much, I would be greedy. And I would challenge them and say, no, if you're greedy with $200 million, then you are also greedy with $200,000. You decide that you are either greedy or you're generous, but don't let the money get caught up in the middle of it. 
The money in and of itself is agnostic. It is a tool that you can use for good. It is a tool that you can use for evil. And I assume that each of you who are listening to this are a morally upstanding human being. And if you're a morally upstanding human being, then I think you have a moral obligation to go out and make as much money as possible so that you can turn around and do as much good as possible. The reason that you want to make money, the reason you want to be rich, has nothing to do with social status. It should have nothing to do with your own personal comfort. It should have everything to do with what financial freedom provides for you. Financial freedom removes the bondage of financial slavery, and it enables you to live your purpose that you were created for. For some of you, that purpose may be creating a school. For some of you, that may be digging freshwater drinking wells in foreign countries. For some of you, it may be doing church missions work. For others of you, it may be you know, doing entrepreneurship training in a third world country. For others of you, it may be doing inner city work. For others of you, it may be doing child trafficking rescue. The cause doesn't really matter. It's the intention behind it. If you want to be rich so that you can swim in your gold like Scrooge McDuck, it's never going to happen. That's, that's not clean money. That's the dirty money. That's called filthy rich because it's greed that is driving it. And the greedy person usually doesn't get what they're lusting after because the truth is there's no amount of money that can quench the thirst of greed. But if you are a person who cares about other people and if you have causes that you say, I really want to support this cause, I just can't because I'm enslaved to my job and I'm enslaved to my job because I'm enslaved to all these bills and these obligations I have. The question then is, what does financial freedom mean to you? If you think financial freedom means retirement, then you'll never go for it because it's not compelling. If you think financial freedom means I get to live the purpose I was created for, then nothing should stand in your way of making as much money as you possibly can. That's why you should be rich. everybody, would you like to experience seven breakthroughs that changed my life? If you would, I've put them together for you in a series of videos, and it's available on my website at jeremywhaley.com. jeremywhaley.com. And all you need to do is put your email in there, and I will send you these seven videos about breakthroughs, seven breakthroughs that have changed my life. I think they'll change your life as well. So go check it out over at jeremywhaley.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you can get every episode directly in your iPhone or whatever listening device it is that you are using. Thanks again for being here, and I'll see you next time.